This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know, it really takes virtually no talent to lead people. You're like, well, wait a second. Of course it takes talent to lead people. You don't just show up and lead, but it really doesn't when you boil it down into the simplest form of what leadership is really all about and just a mindset shift on where you need to begin. So oftentimes we overthink what is leadership and oh my gosh, I'm in charge of all this stuff and we get all worked up over it and it's not as hard as you actually think it is. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about coming up right now. It's time for the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stress, and I know whether you're starting a small business, you're a solopreneur, or a leader in a large company, you need to collaborate with people. I want to help you make those collaborations fulfilling, productive, and as profitable as possible. So every Monday morning, we'll drop a new podcast episode to do just that. So let's get into today's discussion. Welcome back, everybody, to the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast from across America and around the world. Thanks for coming back and listening to another episode. And I know the title kind of might get you off track a little bit when I say it takes virtually no talent to lead people. And I do say virtually, not 100%. And it sounds kind of crazy because I've always said in in multiple podcast episodes that leadership's its actual own skill set separate from what it is you actually do for a living when people ask you at parties or wherever you're at, that uh, it's its its own profession and it should be. But getting started with it isn't really that hard, although we make it super hard. So what is your perception of being in charge? And I'm talking about before you really knew. So for those of you who are leaders now, think about the time before you became a leader. What, what did you think it was? What was your perception? What what did you, what were you looking at? Just people barking orders or just demanding things? How did you view it? And a lot of times before we get into leadership roles and a lot of times even into leadership roles that we don't get that. So it's kind of a monkey see monkey do of what we're going to lead like. And maybe you're fortunate enough to just be happy to be around the right leaders. And a lot of times we're not. So you think about what were the role models you had? before you became a leader? Who were the people you were looking at? Did you have anybody to look at? Uh, You could have different kind of role models because you could have people who were really great at leadership, people who were not great at leadership, people who just tried to get everybody to like them, like a marshmallow type leader who just wanted to make everybody happy, which is totally impossible. Uh, Nick Saban, the head coach of Alabama, says, if you want to make everybody happy, sell ice cream. Don't get into leadership. And that is so true. When you think about somebody like Tom Brady, who goes out on his own and welcomes every new player to the organization that he's a part of. He doesn't have to do that. That's not in his contract, but he makes it a special point to do that, to personally welcome them and get to know them because they're going to be out on the battlefield together. 
And we all should be doing that. And that's just, that's a great example of people coming into your organization. Like what kind of onboarding do you have? Do, when you bring somebody in, do you just jump right into, okay, here's all the stuff you're going to have to do and let's get started. Or do you actually get to know who they are and why they chose to work on your team or how they got there? Do we even get into any of those things? So we kind of get ahead of ourselves. So now here you are, you're a leader, you're a brand new leader. Maybe it's a new team. Maybe it's much higher level leadership. So you're in charge. So now what? Because here's the thing. The best doers aren't always the best leaders. And it's hard for a lot of people to hear that sometimes because they get in in one specific role and they do it so well that, well, this person should be in charge. They know exactly what they're doing. But how you get other people to do things is a completely different thing because leadership is very expected particularly when you're actually in that role, but it's also kind of mysterious sometimes. And we, we think we just do checklists and we check off boxes and, and this has to get done and that has to get done. And, and certainly there has to be a level of execution that things do get done. There's no doubt about that, but that's not all there is to it. If you go down that road constantly, and I've said this a billion times, that compliance leads to complacency. And that's not a a direction you want to go in. And certainly in the short term, you'll get people to do stuff. But after a while, people will start to tune that out or tune you out or never really give you their best. Because I have this weird feeling. I don't know if it's weird. Maybe you have it too. When it comes to the team success versus the team losing or an individual losing, when, when somebody that I'm leading, when they lose, don't hit a benchmark, something like that, I feel like I lost also. It's almost, it's almost like watching your favorite team on television. You feel you lost too. Well, I have that same thing at work. But what's weird is when they win, I don't feel like it's my win. Like I am perfectly happy to step aside and let them enjoy what they just won because they won it. But I don't know why it's so different for me like that. But that is like a trait you definitely need to have that it's okay that other people get that win and you don't feel like you have to be in front and center with everything. Like you're in charge. Everybody knows you're in charge. But that's the way I process that. When my team or an individual on my team loses something or doesn't hit a benchmark, like I said, or a goal or something, I take that like I lost it too. But when they win, they win. I don't take that from them. But I have said that leadership is its own profession. No matter what you do in life, what kind of job you have, what department you're in, if you're leading a group of people, that is a different thing that you do have to learn. But to get started, it really doesn't take a lot of talent. You're saying, well, how? Wait, I'm confused. It's its own skill set, but it doesn't take talent to get started. And it really doesn't. One of the things you need to do is you have to decide what business you're in. Are you in the people business or the things business? Because you you have things you have to get done. You have to execute. There's no doubt about that. But which business are you in? Because unless you are in a particular business where you personally do everything, I don't think you can sustain long-term growth and success unless you really realize that you get things done through other people. And that leads us to the, the, the misnotion of, but I'm supposed to have all the answers, right? I'm the leader. I'm supposed to know all of it. And you really don't need to know all of it. What you really do need is a constant compass. In other words, you need to have a way that you do solve problems doesn't mean you know all the answers or have them, but you know how to figure it out. You know where to get the answers and your team can rely on you to be a resource 
but not try to be a know-it-all because that's where a lot of people get into trouble is they think they have to solve everything. So a lot of times they think they kind of remember what the procedure was and instead of just going and checking. Yeah, over time, yeah, you probably will know it all or close to it all. But if you're not sure, you know, check out what is the truth, what we're supposed to do. And you'll be seen a lot more trustworthy and a lot more believable as a leader when you think that way and make people feel like, you know what, it's okay not to know every little thing, but to know how to solve it. That's how you get past that. And that's how you build having a constant compass. Another huge roadblock is Everybody really believes and feels like there's no time for development. We got to get the work done. There's just no time to sit down and talk about here's, here's the roadmap of where you're going to be going and here's the things we're going to work on to do that. Although we know instinctually we've got to do those things to build the team, we kind of put that aside because we feel like there's no time. But here's the thing. You're already talking to people and other people are already talking within your team. And you're thinking to yourself, well, duh, no kidding. Of course they are. But what I'm really trying to tell you is they are talking in those little increments of time that you can place those little nuggets of development and constantly have a discussion about that just to at least get started. That's where it all begins. Because you got to think about the ultimate goal. One of my all-time favorite quotes uh, from Ken Blanchard that, and I'm going to butcher this because I don't have it in front of me, but basically you've become a high-level leader when you lead your team to the point that they don't need you anymore. If you can do that, you've really led them and developed them. And that's a very high bar to hit. So you just think about, well, what do we just talk about? That there's no time for development. And you think you're supposed to have all the answers and there's all the other issues. I'm going to talk about a few more issues here, but that's the goal. So when I talk about if you really set aside little small increments of time to develop your team over a long period of time, you can get there. You can get your team to the point they don't need you anymore. But just thinking about that is a very daunting task. But if you really change the way you approach it, you can get there. Another roadblock is what I always call duality of leadership, meaning leaders are led one way, but the team is led another because they're not managers. And for some reason, we look at managers with a tough love attitude that they just should just know things or do things better and autonomously. And the thing is, leaders are also human beings. We respond to the same kind of stimuli that would motivate anybody. But a lot of times, oh, they're a leader. They don't need that. When really, it's just a matter of we're just talking about different things or we're responsible for different things. But the same ways you motivate and develop people work at any level. Because your levels of leadership are based on your levels of connection. So who's around you makes a difference of how you're going to lead and what you're going to lead and what you're going to focus on and what's important. The higher I talked about the leadership pendulum. We talk about being like right down in the action in in the dirt in the in the front lines versus the higher you go and you get away from that and you think more globally. You think longer term on bigger things and and a lot of times that really determines how you lead. And when you think about developing a team, you're just like, look, man, I just want to get through the day. I just want to get this truck loaded. I just want to get these products out or whatever that is. And you're not really thinking long term. And that really kind of determines your level of leadership based on your level of connection to whatever part of the operation you are in. Do you have entrepreneurial mindset about the approach of your business or do you have 
I've only got my little space and that's all I got to worry about. That can be a huge roadblock into how you're going to lead. But here's the cool part is whether you're thinking globally or thinking in a micro sense of where you're at, leading and developing people are still the same. And one of the first things you want to get started on is you got to turn fears and anxieties and the unknown into a process of how you start eliminating those things and not think of them so much of what's holding you back. So it starts with you as the leader of what are your fears about leadership? What's your anxiety? What's the unknown? How are they going to take you and turn it into a process, a process of understanding them, of, of building that bridge of trust that they know for sure you're there for them. So you might be thinking, how do I even create a plan for better leadership? And and the, the thing is, you don't. You, you don't need a plan. You don't want, like I said, you don't make it robotic. Today, guys, we're going to learn about how we're going to work better together. It's not that. What you really need is a mindset shift, an approach of how you're going to deal with your people and actually treat them like people. That the very beginnings of leading a great team have to do with how you are as a person toward them as a person. It's just that simple. You think about so much technical stuff and learning about EQs and Enneagram numbers and all that, and and all of that will help. But to get started, you really don't need to think that complex. It really isn't. So I want you to think about these eight steps to being a better leader, or even if you aren't a leader, you could be a rock star team member by doing these things. So number one, be empathetically curious. You're leading people, not robots. So when I say empathetically curious, that's really two things in one. But one, you're seeing them from their point of view. That's the empathetic part. But the curious part is, okay, well, why are they the way they are? And you think about things that have been developed over the past year or so. Like if you go to the workinggenius.com and you take that survey and you figure out what kind of work do you gravitate toward? Are you more tenacious? Are you more of a wanderer? Are you you're really heavy in discernment? It's really great, really great survey, workinggenius.com. You should check it out. But when you're curious about how people work or why they do things the way they do, you can get a better sense of who they are and why they work the way they work. Because you got all these different personalities on your team. You got people who are introverts and extroverts and, and you're mashing all that together and trying to get things done. So starting right there to understand that you are leading people and trying to get things done through people, you have to understand them or at least start to, at least start that conversation. And for you as a leader, there's no better way to build your brand as a trustworthy leader is you trying to understand them and in figuring out who they are. Number two, think about building your team first, then you. Because so often it, it, you have this expectation because probably whoever hired you gave this expectation that you're going to go in and you're going to implement all this stuff and you're going to make all these things happen and, and you're going to have the plan. And, and certainly you need to know what you're going to do in that sense. But a lot of times it's just that. And we don't think, like I said before, unless you are planning on doing every little piece of that operation, you have to get things done through other people. You got to reverse engineer that. You've got to build the team first. You got to put people in the right positions. You got to under make them understand how they're going to work together and then start really going to town on the, the, the kind of plan you put in place to get the team where they need to be. But you got to build a team first, not you. 
I've seen so many leaders who put themselves first and they're just constantly telling their superiors about, well, I'm going to have to replace these people or these, these two individuals because they're not working out. And they're constantly acting like it's the team's fault that they're not getting anywhere because they're just worried about how they look or how they're performing. And they don't, for some reason, realize it's the team's performance is their performance, not the other way around. So you got to reverse engineer that. Think about building your team before building yourself. Number three, be focused on the team's future. You got to look at it individually and the team as a group. This is where the conversations change a little bit into really thinking about where we're going, what journey you're taking them on and and how they're going to get there and why they need to be doing the things they're doing to understand that, to think about what that is. That could be anything from hitting a goal to, um, you know what, I'd like to have this year, five of you promoted into higher level positions. There's something they can see off in the horizon, but you got to understand what's in the team's future individually for them and as a team of what they can accomplish. Number four, and here comes the virtual part, because I did say at the beginning in my defense, it takes virtually no talent to lead, but you do need a little bit they get started. And the little bit of talent you need here is setting the vision, the expectations of what what is the end game here? What are we trying to, to do? Now, this really depends on something that are you the creator of that vision or the explainer? So if you're in a much larger company, chances are, not always, but chances are they have their own vision and it's just your job to explain it to everybody and you're the explainer. But either way, the talent part you need here is to really get them to see the ultimate picture of success, not talking about you must do X, Y, and Z. A vision is is way more descriptive in what an amazing customer experience is or, or an amazing product development experience is. That's the vision. So whether you're the creator or the explainer, you do need to have a little bit of talent to be able to put that out there. Number five, once you do that, you gotta feed your team. Now, I'm not talking about taking them to lunch or dinner, but obviously sometimes that would be actually pretty nice um, to have a few functions a year. But I'm not talking about feed them food. I'm talking about feed their team, feed their mindset. You got to tell them what winning looks like. You got to lay it out. Here's what winning looks like, exactly what it looks like. But number two, they got to know if they're even winning. It's, it's amazing to me how many teams don't even know they're winning. And number three, you have to connect what they do day in and day out to the winning. So you lay out what winning looks like. You got to tell them they're winning or maybe their score isn't where they need to be. But number three, you got to connect the dots of what they do each and every day makes that winning happen. That's feeding your team. That's giving them the fuel they need to keep moving on. Number six, seek feedback from those actually touching the work. This is where you are in learning mode. And you got to, you got to, I'm not saying everything they're telling you, you're just going to go back and change or tell your company to change it. It's not what I'm getting at. But there, if you don't acknowledge what they're actually going through and start working towards something, some kind of solution, or maybe even a way, a different way that they can look at it that changes their mindset, but you can't ignore what is happening at the execution level. So, but to be a strong leader, you want to go seek that information. They're not going to volunteer it to you unless they're like really angry about something, but you got to go get it. You got to ask questions and they'll start telling you once they really believe you really do want to know and you really do want to learn from them. Number seven, have a reality slash plan B mindset. 
a lot of times we've laid the groundwork, set the vision, set, talked about what winning looks like, and then there's some massive disruption or something happened and we really can't get there or just something completely changed, maybe even within your company. And you have to have that. You can't just say, no, nope, we're going this way. We're going this way. And sometimes you just can't. So you you, you got to have that mindset of, of being able to pivot, being able to look at things a different way and saying, okay, we're, we have to do something different here because this isn't going to work, uh, whatever that disruption is. But you, sometimes we get so tunnel visioned on where we're going and we're going there no matter what. And sometimes that's not going to work. And you got to be okay with that as a leader, not to say, oh man, I was so wrong about what I had planned out. I read the great book, Execution by Larry Bossidy and Ram Sharan. One of the biggest things they talked about in that book was setting business plans a year out. And they're like, how in the world do you know what's going to happen in the third quarter of the following year? I mean, you hope you do, but if it's not what you thought, then change it. Don't get so stuck in what you said you were going to do just simply because that's what you planned the previous year. Have a mindset that it's okay to pivot. Number eight, celebrate often, but move on. Now, I know this sounds like two different things, but you can't just hang your hat on whatever you want forever, but you do want to celebrate it. This is the kind of part, it's almost like number five of feed your team, but that's what that's what you want to, you want to create that kind of environment where we take a minute and celebrate. Wow, we got this done or hit this goal. It happened. That's great. And it shouldn't be glossed over because you want to reinforce the things you want, not the things you stop talking about stuff you don't want and enforce the things you do want. So you want to focus on the behaviors that support the strategy, the daily behaviors, the the, the ins and outs of your day of what everybody is doing. That's what you've got to feed because that's the grind. That's what wears people down over a long period of time. And when that's not being rewarded, if they, if they don't see that there's a payoff for that, it's going to be hard for them to stay focused on the right thing. So you constantly reward the behaviors that really support your daily strategy. So celebrate the wins, but move on from it. Now, of those eight things that I just mentioned, none of those are technically advanced, really hard to understand concepts. You don't really need to take a class or even read a book on them. You just got to understand those eight simple steps just to get started in your leadership journey. Over time, you are going to hopefully continue to learn and add things to that. And then you will start making your leadership more of a skill set. But to get started, it really isn't that complicated that you just look at a few things of what's not about you, but what's about the team and what do they need to succeed? What do they what do they need to hear? What do they need to understand? And you can provide all that without having a lot of leadership talent per se. Because in the end, we're really talking about a mindset shift. It's the how you lead first, then you add your skills to the how. In other words, just be a good person and care about other people first. You think about what they need to, to move on, to, to succeed, to, to, to grow. Focus in on that. Putting others first creates a self-fulfilling cycle of growth and success that drives the leader's success. Building others is the best way to show that you're ready to build more. So when you really want to put it out there, when you really want companies to see you, whether it's your own company or a competitor or, or whatever that is, being able to build something with other people to, to gain 
massive success as a group. And then you start having this reputation of, hey, I build leaders also. I'm promoting other people. I'm moving them into better positions. If you want to build your brand as a leader, there is nothing better than building other people. Thank you so much for joining me for another show. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and start up your own discussions on the topic of the show. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. And check out the links in the show notes and give us a rating so we know how we're doing and five stars would be pretty sweet. So until next week, remember, you know you have to get work done with other people, but how you get done work with other people is entirely up to you. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.